Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. Oh, my God. A visual prop, Mickey. Who'd have guessed? Uh, those are... Guess oh, are we playing three-card... three, three card. What do they call that street game in New York? Three-card... What do they call it? No, this is... It's, I, get, I don't know. It's some sort of shell game. It's a I shell game, it's right. Game. It's the equivalent of it. it that is a shell game. And three-card Monty is, or something is the and card guess, equivalent guess of a shell game. Guess what I'm symbolizing, Bob? Oh, that is the choice that Joe Manchin has given. Oh, my God. Pretty good, got huh? It right. Yeah, he, he's saying they got to choose. Do you want child tax credit? Do you want child care subsidy? Or do you want, what is the third? Parental leave. Parental leave. Or some kind of leave. For sick people, for if you have a sick relative. Uh, and he says you got to pick one of the three. I mean, here's my question. Is this kind of more obnoxious of him to do it this way than to say, here's what's really important to me. I want this thing. Uh, yes, but I, I have a feeling I know what's important to him, Bob. And it is the child tax credit, free money. But that, it doesn't matter what's important to him because that's not how he's playing the game. He's giving them their choice, right? Right, but he also, yes, but I, I think he thinks the child tax credit is more popular. And he, he, if, if you read a piece by uh, 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 a reporter named Kane, I forget his first name in the post, one of his big things is he doesn't like new programs. Well, you can argue the child tax credit is an old program because it it's existed for a year under the covid relief plan so uh uh in biden it's weird biden said one of them one of them about talking about cinema and mansion really likes the child tax credit and i thought he was talking about cinema but he might have been talking about mansion now i think the child tax credit's uh, a disaster for the country if it if it goes to people who don't work and mansion supposedly wants to work test it so maybe it'll all work out but I, I definitely want you to stop laughing at me for making a big deal of the child tax credit. Wait, why should I stop laughing? I want to keep laughing. Because it but turns out that that's a crucial uh, crucial program at the center of the debate that's consuming Washington. Wait, you mean because you and Joe Manchin agree on something? I have to acknowledge that it's like a, a Because it's important. Point. It's salient. It's what they're talking about. I'm not talking about some obscure little... So it, it's kind of like... It's program. kind of like... I'm talking about the key negatively transformational part of Biden's so, so you're saying because plan. it may play a big role in the negotiating that it's one of the big three, I should accord it some respect. You should accord me some respect. Well, for I'm afraid that I'm, I'm afraid that can't happen. I would lower your your, your horizons, your, your, your goals or whatever the metaphor is. I, I may accord it some respect. Um, I'm afraid you're out of the question. Uh, That's big of you, Bob. But but. But but I don't see how this should you change. need me. You need me just like he needs Joe Manchin. I've often compared <laughs> you to that, whatever the hell you're talking about. Yes, but um, the the you're saying I should pay more respect to your position on this issue. What does this have to do with I that? I just think you, you shouldn't. You should say Mickey was right to make a fuss about the child tax credit because it turns out to be the most important thing in the whole damn. Bill, according to to Joe Manchin, by the same token, I should agree that it's important that we burn a lot of coal forever, because after all, that's what Joe Manchin thinks. Whatever Joe Manchin thinks, I should agree is like super no, important. No, it, it's it's also it's it's also a favorite of the Democrats, other than Joe Manchin, and and you know it's it's uh, there's this idiot 
from the, uh, not the third way, it's some other centrist, the New Democrats, who thinks it's the greatest thing in the world. Uh, it's um, Ooh, when you've lost the New Democrats, Mickey, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll make it up with the problem solvers or the third way. Yeah. I think I've lost all of them. I think you've lost the but, problem solvers. But there was a big study that came out just yesterday showing that, yes, uh, the child tax credit, the refundable child tax credit, if you got rid of the refundability, it'd be fine. It's refundable to people who don't work and don't pay taxes. And that will reduce work significantly such that it cuts in half just the, even the short-term estimate of how much poverty is reduced. It may wipe out any gains in deep poverty, and it may completely turn back all the gains in employment that came among single mothers from welfare reform because it affects the decision of whether people go from no work to work because no work is now much more lucrative for them and, the, and, uh, and work is less lucrative. Well, it, it didn't quite impacted in the way I expected, but wait, yeah, uh, I know, I know what the theory is. The theory is that if you pay them, uh, whether or not they work, they won't work. But, but what is the new evidence? What is the dependent variable? Well, they, they got some new data, some economists at the Chicago got some new data sets and they looked at a variable that the big national academy study that everybody points to is justifying the child tax credit, which of course is, was conducted by child tax credit advocates ignored. And what they ignored was uh, not what I expected. They ignored the uh, there are two in, there are two effects: the income effect and the substitution effect. I mm -hmm. get them confused. The I think the income effect is I have so much income I don't need to go to work. Uh, that's what I expected it to affect. It didn't affect that. It affected uh, uh, the substitution effect because work paid less than it did before than it does now. And that it does. Sorry, than it does under the work test. Under the work test, you get nothing unless you get $2,500, and then you get 15% of your earnings until some number like 18000 where you... So your job, get, in effect, get, pays more than right. the wage Instead itself. Instead of paying a dollar, it pays a dollar fifteen. And if you get rid of that phase-out, it has a big impact in discouraging people from going to work in the first place. It turns out, surprisingly, according to this study, there's obviously going to be a war of the studies and the the advocates are going to come back saying we have a new data set and blah, blah, blah. But the point is then the National Academy study is sort of junk at this point and they're going to have to come up with a new one. So well, uh, that was a big there's, there's a, coup for my side. I don't know if anybody noticed. But there's, a, there's some data I saw maybe because you tweeted it and maybe it comes from the same study. I don't know. But it was it, it was being promulgated by people who agree with you on this and it was evidence that I think when they ended the work requirement, uh, the number of unwed mothers who were working, uh, well, either that went up or it was when they introduced it that it went down. Does one of those things make sense? Um, did you see I, this? It soared, it soared under welfare reform. The number uh, who were working but, soared. Okay, so here's my under question. Under welfare reform, it, 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 and the question is, when they imposed a work requirement, and and I I think it's a little early to, to uh, I haven't seen any numbers that say it plummeted in the two no, months. No, that ma maybe that's what I check. saw. So number of unwed mothers who are working 
grows substantially when they introduce the work requirement for welfare. Now, here's here's but here's my question. I assume you were touting this number, too, or or, or, or generally would tout it, right? Uh, which number? The increase? Yeah. Yeah. And there's a debate as to whether how much of it is from welfare and how much of it is from the earned income tax credit. And, you know, the, but, but the, wait, isn't there another? Blah, blah, blah. Should, shouldn't there be another debate? I mean, what occurred to me is like, is it necessarily a good thing when an unwed mother uh, has to go to work? I mean, might it not be better for the child if she's there to take care of the child? Well, that because- was the big debate. And we decided uh, the decision was made under welfare form that it is better because, it, it, you know, if you it, it, I mean, if you read Jason DePaul's book, American Dream, it's a pretty good I, I don't trust these studies. I trust a good reporter's account of what's actually happening. And he talks he has these mothers on welfare in Milwaukee and their lives are complete chaos. You know, guns are fired, drug dealer boyfriends going mm-hmm. in and out. And when the lead character goes to work, she gets out of the ghetto. She goes to places she never had been before. And it turns out she's good at what she does. She's a nurse's aide. She likes taking care of people. The patients like her. Uh, and it, it was it was definitely a good thing for her. And that's the argument that it, 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 it decreases social isolation. It gives people skills. It gives people self-respect. It gives the kids a role model. It prevents having neighborhoods where none of the parents work, which is a terrible place for kids to grow up, which which, which is what we had. Yeah, uh, no, I, I it's appreciate- generally a good mother's working, and most mothers do work in this day and age, uh, is a good thing. I see the upside. My point is just that there must be some cases where it's mainly downside, where the mother has to work. She would have done a good job of taking care of the kid, and she has to go to work, and bad things happen, or whatever. And it just, I, my, my point was just, I, I realized, like, not all of that upswing is good news. That that's not a hundred percent good news. It can't be the right. case that everyone is is the woman, the one data point that Jason DeParle happened to choose or chose to choose. Right? I mean, uh, you're skeptical of studies. I'm skeptical of anecdotes that individual journalists choose to highlight. But, well, uh, there there are a bunch of other measures of goodwill that uh, that turned around slightly, like you know. The idea is not just to help individual families, it's to help the whole society shift from uh, a one-parent, unmarried, uh, you know, uh, illegitimate child model to a two-parent breadwinner in the house model, which I think is, everybody agrees is better for kids, and there's a reams of data showing that. Yeah, but if you're... And, and, and it, it gradually, that's a very hard ocean liner to turn around, but there's some data that show it is turning around, and it was turning around with welfare reform, so it's not just... The, what what's best for the individual child, of course, is important, but it's not the only thing you're going for. You're also going for what's best for society. Um. So anyway, so what what is going to happen here? So it is the case, right, that Manchin is saying you decide. You guys, you you progressives decide what you want the most. And, and I, I guess that's the other thing is uh, that that they may find annoying is I gather he's saying choose all of one. Uh, rather yeah. than choosing half of two, half of two of them, or or a third of three of them, yeah, right. Uh, and he, he, I mean, but he, you know, his 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 top line cost for the for the plan has been cut in half, so they're going to have to choose something. And he's saying, you know, this is as much as I can stomach. It was sort of a colorful way to to put it, and puts the ball in their court, and 
I don't know. It it it, it causes people to think. And so so which so, you know, the- some of the the the, the 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 parental leave one is especially weak. I mean, it's like this massive two hundred twenty five billion dollar plan that gives people, I think, twelve weeks of leave a year. Imagine if you're an employer and, and you, you know, Bob, what if I just said, hey, I'm going to take 12 weeks off. I don't even have, a, have to have a note from a doctor. I just say, hey, I have an aunt who's sick or my, my spouse is sick. And you, you know, you don't oh, that's have not a, for child rearing only. That's not for you, a, a new birth only. I that's I for think a- so. No, no, I think it's for illness. Well, uh, and then, you know, then you don't, then you're, then you're, I don't know who you're stuck with for 12 no. weeks, Bob, but so is this thing going to happen? I, I mean, I mean, when will my suffering end? When when can we quit talking about this stuff? Is it when are they going to? I do think this? it's going to last through through Christmas. Oh my God! No, no, year. God, no! I'm nobody's saying that. Everybody's saying it's going to come to a head at Christmas. Uh, but you know, if you look at well, how, then, I, I think they will reach a deal. I think it's inconceivable that they will not pass. Well, look, both it, parts of the plan. It's a question of what's in them. If it's but going to last it's till Christmas, can we agree to quit starting our conversations with it? Obviously, it's just not. It can't be headline news every week between now and then. But it's the only one I had a gim- visual gimmick for, Bob. Uh, well, okay. In that case, it was a good gimmick. Uh, you know, I was just. Uh, it reminds me of the Monty Hall problem. We can talk what's about the that Hall in the room. I guess the. the uh, if 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 Monty well for younger viewers there was a show called uh, Let's Make a Deal and and the contestant Monty Hall says pick a door she says door number one and they show him it's like a washer dryer and she knows there's like a car behind one of them and then there's <laughs> you know uh, and it's okay she didn't get the car now there's two left and he says now I'm going to show you one of them. And he shows her, and it's like a goat or something she doesn't want. And he says, now you have the chance to switch. Do you want to switch to door number three, or do you want to stay with door number one? Now, the Monty Hall question is, uh, what should she do? Is there something that it clearly makes sense to do? Given the fact that Monty Hall, you know he's going to raise the door that doesn't have the car okay so he ha- he knows which door it was he didn't open so there, are more than, there are more than three doors no there's always three doors what, what were you doing as a child if not watching let's make a deal mickey there were always I, three doors i was playing baseball with monty hall's son Bob. Talk, talk about a misspent youth did you know monty hall's son he went to he went to my high school you knew monty hall's son you're like I went to star-studded Beverly High, Bob. I, you know, only last week I thought Ezra Klein was a god among men, but I'm going to have to transfer that title. But um, to you, uh, the but uh, but I don't understand if there's if there's a washer dryer in one and a goat behind one and a car behind one of them, then car is obviously behind door number three. Um, in your in your hypothetical, there's oh, but, no alternative. Oh wait, oh wait, you're right. I got it wrong. She chooses door number one, but they don't open it. She's so he's so that's the one she's committed to unless she changes. She's going to get but what's uh, behind door number one. She hasn't seen it. She knows that he knows what which one it's going to behind. and He's going to open the one with the goat. He opens one with the goat, shows it to her. Should right. she switch to door number okay. three? Turns out there's a clear answer, but most people get it wrong. I was just. What uh, is the clear answer? The clear she answer. Did- she should switch. The chances of it being behind door number three are two out of three. And the chances of it being behind door number one are one out of three. Why is that? I mean, why? The why answer is, is that makes no sense. I know it, it. It's a tough one. Uh, it's a famous 
Do you remember Marilyn, the, the genius woman who wrote uh, had a column in Parade Magazine, the Sunday Supplement? Marilyn Vosavant. Yes, the, the, the smartest woman in the history of, or human, smartest human ever. She had an IQ of like 9,400 or something. And that was 206. Okay, like good enough. <laughs> anyway, she, uh, she published the correct answer and got all this shit from mathematicians mansplaining that she was wrong. Because intuitively, it's easy to convince yourself that the chances are one and two. It, yeah. There's two doors left. Okay, but here's the way I explain But if you it. know Marty Hall, you know he saved the car. You know he's got a card up his sleeve, so to speak. <laughs> um, but uh, the, uh, so this, I was just reading Steve Pinker's uh, new book because I'm going to have him on my show. And this, this was in that. This is not the way he explained it, but it's the way I think it makes sense to explain it. Is Look, before Marty Hall has done anything, you know that the chances are one-third that it's behind door number one, and the chances are two and three that it's behind either two or three, right? Right. Okay. He hasn't done anything to change that calculation. The chances right. are still two and three that it's behind two or three, and you know it's not two. I mean, in effect, when you when you choose three, you're choosing two or three, and you know the chances are still two and huh. three that it's behind door two or three. Okay. So there. Thank you, Marilyn. So, God, uh, that was, uh, I, I'm willing to read a whole book to get us off the subject of Joe Manchin. And, and a, so it was, it, was, uh, it was worth reading Steve's book. Um, uh, but how does that affect Joe Manchin? That's what I don't understand. It doesn't. It's a pretty, it's just what I, <laughs> it's just what I thought. I mean, maybe Joe Manchin should do it. Look, this would be I mean, no more ridiculous than American politics already is if they got all of like the progressives and put them in the crowd and Joe Manchin was Monty Hall and he said, okay, what door do you want? And then he pulls up door number, you know, two and it's child tax credit. Do you want to pick? Of course, it's not analogous because it's not clear which one they value, but it's a, it's a coal burning power plant. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I have uh, bad news. You've chosen an increase in the rate of burning coal. Any, um, anyway, the 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 animosity between I mean Bernie Sanders is is pursuing this what seems to be a strange strategy uh, to woo cinema and mansion, which is to attack them brutally and clumsily. Uh, so much so that Biden said he couldn't have it in the same room because it would be a homicide. Hey, he now, didn't. He didn't chase her into a bathroom. I think he's a model of decorum. He didn't chase her into a bathroom well, that we know of. But um, uh, the um, but it may. It's not clear to me that that is an ineffective strategy. Sometimes when you're a reporter, and you know you have you have somebody who who uh, you've attacked, and they get mad, and you want them to cooperate, there's right strategies to attack them more, so they know that. If they don't cooperate, you're going to keep attacking them and you'll stop if they cooperate uh, rather it, than suck up to them. It can work so, both ways. The um, If stereotypes about men and women are true, I would be careful if I were him. I mean, the, I th there may actually be evidence of this, but that uh, m men are in a sense less, you might say less principled uh, on these matters uh, and, and, and more... Uh, well, well, the, the actual finding is that men are more opportunistic in shifting coalitions and things than women. Um, well, especially, especially, sorry, I, I'd be careful if I were Bernie. Yeah, especially Manchin, who's famous for, you know, kicking up a fuss and then going along at the end.
So uh, that's what I worry about the work requirement. He, he touts work to please his constituents, and then he caves at the end. Uh, so uh, to my mind, that's the most crucial thing going on in Washington, Bob. I know. But, but one more question about that. So wait, what does Bernie want at this point? Does he think he can raise the aggregate number below, above $2 trillion or so, which I gather is I what? I think they're just debating whether it's $1.7 trillion or $2.2 trillion. But, but you know, if you if if you if you believe in the programs, that extra point oh, five sure. trillion totally. can buy a lot of programs. I, totally, I could. Uh, you give me five trillion, I'll I'll you know. Yeah. It, um, the, uh, what, uh, quickly, one thing I found out, it you know, we had said uh, Mansion had said, look, I told them uh, a long time ago that one point five trillion was. Uh, the impression I got was he was saying it was my ceiling, but apparently that's not what happened. What he told them was. I can't guarantee my support if it's more than 1.5 trillion. Right. Okay. So's the floor. And um, so he he would not be violating that that laid down marker if he you know went all the way up to 3.5 trillion. But anyway, um, Betsy McCoy has written a couple articles on looking for the the disasters in the bill, and I I'm sure they're there, and I don't quite trust Betsy McCoy. Good. She found with a good couple. reason. With good reason, you don't. Trust well, she she, she is wrote a, an article for the New Republic called "No Exit" about the Clinton health care plan that claimed you'll be you'll be forced into this health care plan and there'll be no exit. And it the, was a famously misleading article. But the counter argument to that was always, which I bought, and I thought McCoy was wrong at the time, was no, it's like private schools versus public schools, which is. You'll pay for the public plan, but you can always bail out and go on your own to private health care if you don't like, you know, if the, if the government denies you a cancer treatment, you can find some doctor who for millions of dollars will give you a cancer treatment. Uh, and you always have that safety valve. But it seems, to, but then it became obvious after that whole fuss that the Hillary Clinton types were going to try to institute a rule where if you if you didn't take the Medicare payment, you couldn't take any Medicare patients at all, which means that these private doctors would be completely cut off from Medicare and all the good doctors would be in Medicare. So you really wouldn't have much of an exit. It may have been she may have been half right, at least uh, oh, well. in the end anyway. Half but right. anyway, she's unreliable. But so what she, point is she making now? She uh, she she. she there's a lot of union giveaways in the bill, as you would expect. The there's this home energy efficiency money of like eleven thousand dollars to, you know, to increase the energy efficiency of your home, but it has to be done by a union worker. There's like over a billion dollars to, you know, part of their whole thing is they want to <coughs> unionize home health care and have that be the the way old people are taken care of, not in homes, but not in nursing homes, but in your actual home. And and they give one, over a billion dollars to the unions to recruit new workers. That's a lot of money. And she also claims that there is a race preference in this system where, and I, we, I there is a two hundred dollar bonus if you recruit minorities for this system. Uh, I don't know if that hold, will hold up in court. And her her long piece claims that there's an actual preference for mo- communities of color for getting this. Uh, energy efficiency money. But I noticed that that claim disappeared from the New York Post piece, and I wonder if that's because their fact checker decided it wasn't right. 
Anyway, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff like that. I would like to see somebody reliable go through the bill, like James Bovard or some reason sleuth, uh, and uh, and tell me all the crap. Reason, there. reason magazine, not 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 reason the the abstract cognitive process. Right, reason um, magazine. The uh, well, we've already established he's about half right. I mean, maybe Mansion should just have somebody pick which which 50% of the things she's saying are true or something. Well, there must be well, some he, way of finding out. Um, these aren't in programs that Manchin cares about. The, I mean, the uh, energy efficiency grants are not something he's made a fuss well, about. Well, then I, I will think. demand that she pick which half are um, actually true and tell us. Um, the, so, uh, the, the, uh, the, just, just to get the topics you love out of the way first, the... Is this going to be a change of subject? Well, one of the reasons it's going to jam up in December is because that's when the debt limit they think oh is going to God. come. No, come I no, I totally have a moratorium on debt limit discussion. No, I have a simple, I have a simple, just a simple point to make about the debt limit. Okay, uh, everybody's saying why are they behaving like this? It's completely insane, and it is completely insane. Uh -huh. Okay, there shouldn't be a debt limit. I can't believe the politics of voting for an actual number on the debt are that toxic for either side. But there, if you look at the or the 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 underlying motive of of McConnell and Schumer, it explains everything. All McConnell wants to do is waste the Democrats' time so they don't spend it on this big bill that they're negotiating. Mm. So the more he delays it, the less popular Joe Biden gets. The longer it lasts, the closer they get to election day, the harder it is for them. Has anybody to pass. has anybody written this? Oh yeah, Bob oh. Punch. Punchbowl has basically written it. They occasionally forget it, but uh, they say they say McConnell's goal is chaos. Okay, that is shorthand for he wants to fill up the, the take away the energy from the Democrats for negotiating this bill that he hates, and 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 Schumer's goal is to force a confrontation where they will have to get rid of the filibuster. So he wants it to be either the country is plunged in a depression and loses its credit, or you relax the filibuster. So he was he was teeing up that confrontation. And neither of them, and everybody's saying Schumer won because McConnell blinked, but McConnell achieved this goal. He wasted two weeks of their time, and Schumer did not achieve his goal, which is he did not get rid of the filibuster. So it, th that whole clash got put off until December. Something has now got put off until February. But, um, uh, it, it, you know, neither, neither one completely achieved their goal, but McConnell's goal, you know, could be achieved in in short increments. He mm -hmm. wastes a month here, he wastes a month there. Eventually, you've wasted all their time. And Manchin's popularity is plummeting. Sort of, I mean, Biden's popularity is plummeting, sort of dramatically, more dramatically than you think would be justified. It's pretty bad. Uh, and I mean, that's why he needs he needs certainly the first bill, uh, probably right. some right. version of the second. I um, I give him points for not going into crisis mode like Jimmy Carter and saying, oh, I'm going to go to Camp David and deliver a Malay speech, you know, because my administration's in crisis. He's refusing to acknowledge his administration is in crisis, which is sort of admirable in a way and a, probably a better way to deal with it. Because eventually people will forget about Afghanistan and, you know, eventually he'll pass. I don't know. Goal. I mean, I think the media is pretty determined to keep that going because, you know, <sighs> There, in truth, Afghanistan is divided, you know, between rural and urban, and a lot of the urban people hate the Taliban, but a lot of the rural people 
are very happy to have uh, the war over and the Taliban running things, or, uh, or at least happier than they were. But, you know, the kinds of people that, that run our media uh, are the kinds of people who relate to the urban Afghans, and they're the ones they sympathize with, and they're the one who's val- ones whose values they're closer to sharing. So we're going to be getting their perspective well, uh, for a super long time. It's weird. There are all these stories about how the Taliban government is going to collapse that they won their victory, and now the centrifugal forces that were held together by opposition to the Americans are gone, the centripetal forces and the centrifugal forces that of ethnic rivalries are going to pull them apart, and they might be, the Taliban, you know, national government might be stuck only with Kabul, whereas the countryside is various ethnic fiefdoms. Wouldn't that be ironic? Uh, and um, uh, that, I don't think that'll affect popular perception one way or the other, but it might make Biden look better that, hey, we got out, but hey, they collapsed anyway, so fuck them, you know? Well, uh, I mean, one threat they face is ISIS. There was a bombing, uh, like big bombing today or yesterday or something, I think. Uh, I don't know if that's the kind of thing that could hold the country together. A problem they face is, I think, uh, I I assume we're still holding on to a lot of money that that belongs to the government of Afghanistan, and we're we're not acknowledging, I guess, that that's a legitimate government or something. I assume China will bail them out or something and get something in exchange for that. Yeah, I mean, we one thing uh, the occupation had done is make Afghanistan very dependent on foreign aid. They had just gotten used to it. And uh, now if we're withdrawing that, that's a serious problem for the Taliban. I think you're right. I mean, a number of regional players have an interest in establishing good relations with the government, and China certainly won. So uh, Maybe we could have a child tax credit for Afghanistan so they become dependent on free money. And then, you know, when it goes away, they collapse. Speaking of China, um, just a quick clarification. Uh, I did a thing about this in, in the news, in the non-zero newsletter today. The, um, you know, there have been a lot of stories about China, Chinese military planes flying over Taiwan's airspace. I mean, a whole lot of media outlets and politicians, including Robert Menendez, who's chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee, have put it like that, flying over Taiwan's airspace. That's not what's happening. I mean, it is more provocative than usual. It is something to pay attention to, but they haven't come within 100 miles of, of, of Taiwan's airspace. Um, the, it's, it's, it's some air exclusion zone that they've drawn yeah, way it's away an from air, the it, Yeah, it's, it's kind of the zone you monitor, and it's so big that there's a huge portion of it that's actually over the Chinese mainland. And I mean, I mean, really, like a third of it. And, and but 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 this is this tr- this is definitely something China's doing uh, yep. to pull their chain and to accomplish other things and send a signal and so on. But do you but think it, it was a mistake. What send the Marines? To, to do I think what was a mistake? It was a mistake for Biden to send in a platoon of Marines. I, I don't. You know, it could be a reaction to whatever Biden has been doing there militarily. Uh, I I don't know exactly. You know, Taiwan's a very difficult issue. But, you know, we have flown into China's, uh, whatever that zone is called, the air defense identification zone or something, or, or, uh, uh, and, um, and China's flown into Taiwan's before. It's not brand new. It's just the magnitude of the intrusions. Uh, Yeah, it's probably a, a response to Biden or something. I mean, Taiwan's a super messy issue. No, I think Biden sent the Marines in a response to the air intrusions, but uh, 
I wonder if it's like if it's like putting troops in you in Ukraine or the Baltics. I remember Condi Rice. One of the things I was impressed with Condi Rice was when she said, "If we put U.S. troops there, they will not invade. They just won't." Uh, and I wonder if because we have a troop presence there, however small. That well, is a significant. Well, did he send? Right? I may have missed this. Did he send Marines to the Taiwanese mainland for the? I'm pretty sure yes. And there, we, you mean we now have land forces stationed there for the first time or something? I think so, unless I misread the headlines. That would be a big. That would be a big thing. Um, I don't think it was a lot of Marines, but there were some. Yeah, there's a big difference between zero and one. Um. um uh, well, uh, I see. I see another newsletter in your in your future. Well, you may see an amendment to this one. It's not out yet. Uh, what? Um, what do you think of the? Nope. Yeah, I was going to say the worst thing about Biden's popularity. Just oh, okay. Biden's is that Trump's popularity is rising. I know more. More. You know, my goal is Trump not run for president or lose in 2024. Okay, and we can get to Robert Kagan's disaster scenario about how awful that would be. Did you but, read Kagan's piece? I did read Kagan's piece. Oh, good. Maybe we can discuss it uh, in but, the prayer um, room. I haven't read it. Uh, but um, is it the, at all persuasive? Everybody's talking about it's exaggerated. Yeah, it's persuasive. It's, it's it's complicated. He he the, he paints the threat so dire that he doesn't have a solution for it. And so, and I think he's exaggerated the threat, but it's a real they're real threats he faces. For example, if Trump loses big. There's going to be a lot of violence from his people, okay? His, you know, even if he concedes, there's going to be, you know, he won't concede, but if he loses by 15 points, there's still going to be a lot of violence, okay? Kagan has no solution. There's no solution to that other than to put the violence down, okay? It's, he has no solution. Uh, but, well, can you blame him? <laughs> what are you going to do? What would you do other than put well, it down? Well, but his whole thing is like mid romp the whole thing on the left is now, if you don't support Biden's, uh, build back better peace. You're contributing to the end of democracy in America as you're empowering the Republican Party, and the Republican Party is a vehicle for Trump's fascist goals. Okay, and, and but even if you pass the build back better bill because you buy this bullshit, there's still going to be violence. So it doesn't solve the problem. Anyway, we can talk about it. The, the 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 point is, more Republicans now want Trump to run than in January, which is horrifying. You would you would want it to be going the other direction at this point, and that's a function. I think that they hate Biden, and Trump has a built-in issue, which is I'm not Biden. I'm not going to fuck up like Biden on the border. I'm not going to fuck up at Afghanistan. You know, blah blah blah. Uh, so um, didn't they give Biden credit for having guys on horses whip migrants? They shouldn't give. They should give Biden credit for he did discover this. What what is now accepted as sort of the magic bullet against migration, which is you take a few people and you just ship them somewhere by plane that they really don't want to go. And for the Haitians, it was back to Haiti and they hadn't been in Haiti for 10 years. And that scared a whole lot of people away. Britain is now trying to fly people to Af Albania <laughs> to drop them off. And the, the, I guess the argument is if you only do that to 10%, it scares the other 90%. And A, Biden's gotten so much shit for that from the left that he's not going to be able to do it again, and B, the the, the, the 60,000 Haitian migrants who are heading our way don't seem to have let that deter them. They have the very, very sophisticated sense of who will get sent by plane back to Haiti and who won't, and it's not women and children. 
that the women and children are still coming. Well, I mean, I, I'm just repeating myself, but I, I think the Democrats, somebody, there's no point in even starting a sentence this way, like the Democrats have to figure something out because there are no, there's no Democratic leadership. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, the, 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 there's no smoke-filled rooms anymore. There, there aren't these elites who can get together and figure something out and make it well, happen. Well, Biden could. Well, no, but what they have to figure out is how to get rid of Biden. I mean, what I'm saying is what the party needs to do is figure out a way that the nominee can be neither Harris nor Biden. That's imperative. That's imperative. But Biden, if they Biden want to is be perfectly Trump. capable of being sensible on immigration. He's just so weak that he's now, now, Mickey, being pushed Mickey, the guy by is the in some measure in cognitive decline. It's not going to be pretty in three years I, when if he's... You, if, you, if you listen to the... If you listen to, I'm more convinced than ever listening in the past week to his discussions of his, his negotiations with Manchin and Cinema, he seems to be all there. Wait, you mean you, listening to him speak impromptu or hearing what yeah, is happening? Yeah, him speak impromptu. Him saying that he can't have Manchin, he can't have Sanders and Cinema in the same room because that would be homicide. That's a guy who's in touch with the feelings of the people he's negotiating with. Uh, he, he doesn't seem to be fucking up. He seems to be. Uh, you know, doing that part well. And he's perfectly capable of saying, you know, Mr. Mayorkas, thank you for your service, but we're taking a different direction and firing Mayorkas and hiring somebody else. Well, it's funny. I feel that a Biden who's 100% there, which I personally do not think we had even a year ago, I think we had it five years ago, is actually, in principle, a very effective candidate against Trump. He really is. Like, on paper, and and and... And just it's the way he comes through. I mean, he's a, he's kind of a regular guy, you know. Uh, it's Maybe. not like it's not like Trump running against Hillary or Obama or Kamala Harris. He's just he a regular white guy, guy. Trump may be the only guy he's effective against because when he runs against his fellow Democrats, he gets clobbered. Does he? When's he done that? Well, I mean, he, oh, you he, mean he, you mean in the uh, had he in not, the primaries? Had there not been the Deus Ex Machina in South Carolina? Yeah. Um, I, it, it, but it is just. But compared to Trump, I agree he's the anti-Trump. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, but, that, I, that I'm repeating myself. But I very much worry about Biden running for re-election. Speaking of but, which, uh, I mean, relatedly, should somebody would somebody have a word with Breyer, please? I mean, he's got one more year before the Republicans are controlling the Senate, right? Time to step down. Um, well, I don't share your horrible concerns. But, no, you uh, don't share my concerns, but you agree that it, that it would be the judicious, no pun intended, thing totally. to do. Yeah, but the um, I mean, that, that's the other thing about Kagan is 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 his the weak spot in all these conspiracy theories about how fascism is going to come to America is, and Trump has the Supreme Court in his pocket and they'll do whatever he says. No, they won't. I mean, that's very far fetched. They, they're not his guys. They're the Federalist Society's guys. They're Bush's guys. They're Republicans. They're going to they're going to stiff arm Trump if it comes to that the same way that they stiff armed him in 2020 when he thought they were in his pocket. So I, I certainly uh, agree. They're not they're not people who like Trump by and large. Yeah. Um, um, so but um, the the, uh, the the official David Shore Ezra Klein sort of half endorsed solution to immigration for Biden is not to talk about it. And that just seems a ridiculous solution. How can you not talk about it when people are streaming through the border? Why not talk sense about it? Uh, 
Shores used to say the Democrats have to cling to their, uh, you know, loose border views and they'll win if they just don't talk about it. Well, I just don't see that working. Seems a ridiculous position. Yeah, I don't know. The problem is maybe uh, maybe in the parrot room I'll lay out, I'll lay out some of my uh, uh, reform agenda uh, for in a dream world where we could rewrite the Constitution. Reform uh, agenda. I live um, in that world, Bob. Uh, good. We'll have a good conversation in the parrot room then. Uh, um, uh, the um. So, what about the, uh, the, yeah? The the key question is. Why is Biden unable to stand up to the left? That's what I don't understand. Wait, I'm going to read you. Uh, I'm when has he you. ever stood up to the left in in his in, you know in his months in office? How has he not stood up to the left? Well, he, he's kept Mayorkas there, and Mayorkas is 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 is. Uh, oh, you mean on this particular issue through the border? He hasn't told. Well, wait, know, he, he, had, he, he, he had these migrants either shipped to Haiti or horsewhipped. I'm kidding about the horsewhipping kind of because it wasn't quite he, what he happened. But, the but, but, he but, did the but shipping. But I mean, so you just said that he did took this very aggressive action with respect to Haiti and uh, so aggressive that there's been a, an outcry on the left. But he did it. There is that. There is that. Well, what do you okay, want? That's one. And then there's a the horsewhipping. What do you want? <laughs> but... um. But I mean, he, you know, on the spending bill, he hasn't he never hasn't publicly told anybody, you know, the way, the you know, Clinton endorsed welfare reform and he had to tell the left to stuff it for the next year. OK, Biden hasn't done anything like that. Well, look, I think his instinct is definitely to be, you know, right of to the right on immigration of the kind of progressive talking points. On the other hand. Remember that the progressive consensus on this issue crystallized amid the resistance as an anti-Trump thing. And so I think it still has a lot of residual energy, not to mention the fact that, you know, uh, the, the progressive elite see it as part and parcel of their whole kind of uh, kind of, I guess you could say, identity politics approach to coalition building. Um, uh, so. I don't know. He faces. There's only so much you can do. And the the whole build back better thing is like, you know, say yes to them all and pile them up and we'll have one big bill. It's not. A, he hasn't. He hasn't. I don't think maybe I missed. You know, it's hard to know what's not there, but. Well, they originally. I don't wanted, think he's told the big interest group. No, sorry, you can't have your way. Well, they originally wanted something like six trillion. There must have been some some programs associated with the, the two point five that got cut right away. You would think, but I don't know what they are. Mostly what they did was they shortened the length of the program so that they, you know, they only funded them for four years and they figure, well, they'll just, you know, they'll get reinstated. So it really will be six trillion in the end. He, uh, I mean, he hasn't done some big things. He hasn't done Medicare for all. He hasn't done some things he should do, which is lower the Medicare age to 64. Yeah, see, which that's I the a, thing. I mean, I think is a very intelligent solution from, uh, from some on the left. Dean Baker, I think, proposed it. Good idea. Yeah, no, that would be a real crowd pleaser, and and you know the the on the fence, you know, potential Trump supporters would would like that. You know, I'm sure a lot of them are like between the ages of, of whatever, fifty and sixty five. Depends on how much you want to lower the age threshold for Medicare, but 
Yeah. So I guess in any of it, do we think now? Now that would would be even better than this. I was about to ask: Is it still the case that dental coverage in Medicare is uh, is is in whatever's going to pass? I don't know. I think it's waning. I think the, 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 oh, the man. I, th- I still think the consensus is the these first, people are idiots. First, the first thing they have to do is shore up Obamacare. These people the wouldn't know politics is- if smart politics if they met it on the street. Are you kidding me? Dental coverage for Medicare. Everyone over sixty five loves you for that. Starting in eight years. Is that the way it would work? Is it planned? That's the way it was going to work. Oh man, my teeth are not going to last that long. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they haven't lasted this long. Anyway, I think the idea that you know the idea that Ron Klain is really running the presidency that that idea gained credence when it sort of became clear that Klain was the guy who told the progressives, "No, you don't really have to vote for this bipartisan infrastructure bill. You know, we're we, you know we're going to let you stick it to Pelosi and 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 cause the bill to fail or not have enough votes." And it seemed like Klain was the guy who did that. But on the other hand, Biden has not been, you know, out of it enough to, it seems to me, to, to validate the general theory that Ron Klain is running things. So. so, Mickey, what do you think of these Pandora papers? It's one of these stories that, uh, you know, oh, this is sheds tremendous light on the secrets of the rich and famous. And they don't tell you any of the secrets of the rich and famous. Name some names and people who, who and how much money they have stashed overseas and and then we'll have a story but don't just say massive leak reveals secrets and then write 20 paragraphs where you don't reveal any of the secrets i think they're rolling it out week by week aren't they but but the other thing is you know stories that don't seem huge to us can have impact abroad like originally you know when i heard well uh king abdullah of jordan uh, owns three homes in california oh my god imagine a, a middle eastern king who owns property but you know uh, he apparently uh, spent like a, I guess a hundred million on property abroad, and it, and in Jordan, like this matters because it's it's not like Saudi Arabia, which has oil. It's a poor country, and and there and, and and you know people aren't doing that well, and I think this is a big story there, and you know Al Qaeda and ISIS, uh, you know, would love to overthrow him. And if they're trying to recruit people in Jordan to, like, uh, you know, become suicide bombers or something, life just got easier for them. I, I, th- I think that's definitely true. And I think there's a lot. So so there's a lot. What I would say, if there's a generalization you can probably make based on the, like, various kinds of effects it'll have in the various countries that, that don't catch our attention right away, it, it's... I think going to uh, maybe Trump should be happy. It, it will add to anti-elite sentiment. You know, it, it may. Um, I, I don't know, but uh, it, I think there's more there than meets our eyes. I don't. I don't think they have any big Democrats who have. They have Tony Blair stashing things abroad, but it's, well, um, apparently there there are not many Americans whose financial secrets are illuminated because I gather that the leakers. Um, I think these leaks came from a lot of money managers, asset managers, and it sounds like kind of none of them were American or very few of them were American. The, 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 the American part of the picture isn't being illuminated except to the extent that America has become a haven for, for these people, right. a place for them to put their money. 
Like South Dakota intentionally changed their laws to make themselves more attractive for this, and it turns out there's a lot of stuff there. Uh, but but the the part of the picture is not illuminated is like what American rich people are doing with their money. The um, uh, there is some Putin angle though, I think. Uh, he, it and, turns out his mistress, and I think maybe part of the story is confirmation that he has a mistress. But anyway, she has apparently a lot of property in her name abroad. Um, I'm, I don't mean, well, anyway. Uh, and um, that I think that's that story. I, I don't know how that impacts him. I, I think, you he, know, some He's people, under attack from the Communist Party now. Is he? You, you saw that? No. Is that true? The, they, the Communist Party almost unseated his candidate in some seat in Moscow, and they're they're now rebelling against Putin's control. So he's having a lot of problem with young communists. I don't think communist means what it used to mean there. Yeah. Um, but it, it probably just means nostalgic for I, Soviet days when, when I people don't even know paid if them more respect on the world stage. Well, well um, yeah, but even so, I mean, I remember, you know, when I was uh, in uh, the Soviet Union, back in its final days as the Soviet Union, Gorbachev was still the leader. And I was waiting. We were waiting for the midnight train from Moscow to St. Petersburg, which is a cool train. Sleeper car. They serve you tea in the morning. Um, but anyway, there was this young guy helping us with our luggage. And uh, he, the train was late coming in. And he pointed to the empty track and he said, Perestroika, meaning, you know, Gorbachev's reform program before Gorbachev, the trains ran on time. And I said, I said, oh, so you liked, you liked Brezhnev? And he said, Stalin. And this guy was <laughs> like, this guy was like 25. I mean, he didn't remember Joseph Stalin. Well, <laughs> but, uh, I have a, I have a, a rare piece of art here, Bob. Yeah. Oh, cool. So is uh, that Cyrillic? This is an actual piece given to me by my friend John Alter. What's that word? Perestroika art. Oh, that, what is, is that the it's, word? It's like a, it's like a bureaucratic stamp stamping out humanity or something. What does the word mean? That doesn't mean perestroika. That doesn't say perestroika. I, I don't know what it means. Maybe it's something, uh, P-A-T. Oh, maybe it's comprom. No, it's not. Uh, uh, I don't think it says perestroika, but the no, point is uh, that it's uh, a piece of art that was supposed to show that they were reforming the bureaucracy, not that they were changing the means of production or the mode of production from communism to capitalism, but they were making the bureaucracy less inhuman. A brief period of time, <laughs> uh, and I don't know how much success they had, but they produced that great work of art. That is nice. Um, I have, quickly, want a couple of quick updates. It's been a year since the proposal uh, by India and South Africa to loosen uh, intellectual property uh, protection or eliminate it even on uh, vaccines. Biden said months ago he was in favor of it. Nothing like it has happened, and apparently any progress on that uh, ran into trouble uh, this week in the... Um, at the World Trade Organization as affluent nations uh, continue to oppose it. And it's just, it's crazy. It's like, according to this 
piece I read, 2.3% of people in low-income countries, I don't know how they're defining low-income, but anyway, there's some number of countries at the bottom of the income bracket whose vaccination rate is 2.3%. Now, leave aside social justice issues. If we don't get these places vaccinated, I just think new variants are going to keep arising. We're going to is be in the such an obstacle? Is paying off the owners of the patent such an obstacle? I mean... Oh, just Bill Gates saying, here's a billion, can we... Well, there are a lot of Bill Gateses who are willing to donate millions and millions of dollars, yeah. and it doesn't bother me that the that the people who founded Moderna are in the Forbes 500. I think that's Look, a good thing. I've been saying an opportunity for Biden is to get, like, the pharma heads together with the altruistic billionaires and say, look, you know, I have the emergency power to mandate things. This is a crisis. Uh, I'm not going to quite end your patent protection. I mean, I assume he could plausibly threaten to have this, but but some major restriction like say, okay, but you can't charge more than something very low, like $2 a dose or something, whatever, whatever would give them some profit uh, and then have these billionaires step in and say, yeah, and they will pay for vaccines at that rate to give vaccinations to poor countries. Now, I know they have to, they have to build infrastructure to make the vaccines, yeah. but, but, but we've been playing this game for a year. If they had started doing that a year ago, if there had been patent reform a year ago and, they were, and, and, and more people were free to build more factories, um, I think we'd be in a very different space. And, and, and this, is, this could be a huge PR coup for Biden. Sounds like a job for Ron Klain. It's the sort of thing he's good at. But look, seriously, it's a leader. It's a global leadership vacuum. You know, nobody's going to take their cues from China, given the, their role in the origin of the pandemic. It is, this is waiting for Joe Biden to do something decisive that, that does force the pharma companies, you know, to take uh, a little bit of a, a haircut and, uh, and, and, and does something dramatic. It's possible. It's possible. Dream big. Um, you do get the impression Biden sort of floats along events without taking much original decisive action. Yeah, I don't think there's anybody... Cre- Look, again, he is, at the risk of repeating myself, I don't think the guy he once was, but he was probably never a super creative political strategist, Bru- and I don't think he has one. Bruce Reed is pretty creative. He supposedly writes well, his email long Bruce about memos. this. Email Bruce about this. I emailed Bruce once. He didn't return my email, so I, I sort of decided to leave him alone. Maybe if you drop my name, that'll put. That That's on. why I'm a terrible reporter. I don't. I'm not. You're not persistent. persistent. No, you got to bug the hell out of these people. Well, also, anytime you email somebody in the White House, it it becomes part of the permanent government record, so you can't really say what you think. And if you email somebody privately, isn't that like then they get into Hillary Clinton email trouble? So you can't do that. Uh, because you you're not email to go around them? the White House system to do business, right? Oh, I think I don't think you have to worry about that. Uh, I think they do. He, he, um, he can't help it if he receives an email at his address. If he right, thinks, but if he answers the email, it's a problem. Well, that's him. his call. He knows what the proper thing to do is. Yeah. Well, I think he. I think he's made his call. Spam <laughs> the, the, call was, the call was not to answer the email. Spam the um, hell out of him. Drop my name. The um. So uh, there's been a fusillade, a tsunami, a triple hit of evidence for the lab leak hypothesis. You had me. At they discovered fusillade. another contract where the guy was going to, where where the U.S. and Wuhan, that British guy who's the fond of all evil and Wuhan were going to 
synthesize a bunch of different strands of coronavirus to make a super, you know, normal strand that was going to... Uh, oh, you mentioned this guy last they, they, week. No, this is a different one. That oh. was aerosolizing it. This is this was, this is uh, uh, re re recombining various strains. Mm. There was the discovery that they had bought a whole bunch of PCR tests for the coronavirus months and months before they admitted that the coronavirus existed in their country, like in March instead of uh, December. Uh, why did they do that? Perhaps because well, they... Wait, they knew that there was leaking wait, they had life. they had tests for covid in March of 2019. They were PCR tests. I don't I don't know if they were covid tests. Well, that would matter, yes. wouldn't it? And it might have been May. It was one of those M months. OK, but this is kind of a critical question, whether they were PCR tests for like covid or like the flu. That would really matter. Uh I don't. I. I. I, I, mean, I don't want to drill down story, too deeply here on your hypothesis, but like we have to be talking about COVID. I'll answer that in the parrot room because in the <laughs> interval I'll look it up. Okay. But, uh, hey, I. Have, uh, okay, I'm so pretty sure it must have been. So COVID anyway, you think COVID. evidence is actually growing for and, lab? And leaks. the third thing, the third, the third thing is, uh, uh, what was the third thing? The third thing was that they've looked at the hospital beds. If it was zoonotic. They, they, they're like a few, a few people would get it from animals before it learned how to escape from jump from human to human. So they're like be expected like a couple hundred people in Wuhan to get it before like everybody in Wuhan started getting it. And they looked at hospitals, and and, and if it was just man made, the number would be zero. Mm -hmm. Nope, the number was zero. So uh, three pieces of evidence that I heard that, that are reasonably powerful. I think uh, in favor of the lab leak. So you're saying I had been thinking 50-50 lab leak. You're saying I should yeah. I should up that to what? 60, I think you 70. should up that. The, and the other the, the thing with the recombination is they haven't found anything in the wild with enough similarity to the COVID virus uh, to to make them confident that this was the where it jumped off. They've discovered 96 percent similarity. But they need ninety nine point eight percent or something. Yeah, the closest thing I think would have been would have branched off from it years and years ago, as I understand it. Um, the closest uh, evolutionary match they found. I, I'm not sure how unusual that is in cases like this, but um, here's speaking of China. Can I ask you whether I'm being too picky about my uh, in, in my completely futile quest to uh, bring uh, the the ideal of uh, objective reporting back to mainstream media, not that it can ever be realized, but I mean, just as a value uh, to strive for. Do you think I'm I'm wrong to complain about this? And, and granted, this is subtle, but so it's a piece by Anna Swanson, Keith Bradshaw. It's what is the lead? The Biden administration offered it's, oh, oh it's about the fact that, you know, they're choosing, uh, Biden is choosing to retain the Trump-China tariffs as bargaining leverage. Okay, that's the story, which is kind of interesting. Anyway, here's the second paragraph. Uh, the comments provided one of the first looks at how the Biden administration plans to deal with a rising economic and security threat from China. Should I? Do you see what I that would uh, I would think is uh, objectionable about that? Yes, although. Well, what is I it? noticed for the, the the European Union proclaimed China a systemic rival. 
Fine, but so, I, I just I, think what 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 a reporter should say plans to deal with what the Biden administration considers a rising security threat from okay, China or yeah, whatever. That would be better. I, I mean, that's yeah. not. Yeah, this seems like a little thing, but I honestly believe you that something's changed. In the New York well, Times, that, you would have been much less likely to see this 30 years ago. They would have said what the administration. Yes, totally. But they they totally well, now they now they don't pretend that they're not on one side or the other. Uh, and the the the. the uh, but you know they have a they have a task force. Pulsberger the third has a task force uh, that's going to deal with this problem, Bob. So you don't have to worry about it. Okay, well we can talk about that. Uh, I'm sure they'll fix it. You know. So we've been um, we've been talking an hour, Mickey. Um, Pulsberger task force. I'm writing that down as a possible parrot room thing. No, the parrot room down the parrot room. I have. I I, I was going to say that. Maybe Carlos Watson could uh, could negotiate this patent. Hey, deal he's with... back. He's back. He's back. He's Lazarus. Uh, he he says he's going to bring Ozzy back, right? Yes. So I yeah I would like to do a little uh, in the parrot room a little Ozzy Theranos compare contrast. I because some some stuff came out about Theranos. You know, in, I have in six her points to make about Ozzy in the parrot room, Bob. Not just one. Not two. Not okay. three. Not four. Okay. Six. Six. Uh, but, but the one overarching thing, which I only mentioned in 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 the parrot room, that I'm now ready to let everybody in on, mm-hmm. even the the free people who listen to this podcast. I mean, this Carl, the, the 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 key point that the the media starts to dodge around is that Carlos Watson was an affirmative action, diversity, equity, and inclusion play for all these investors. They obviously did it in part. Uh, you know, as as a sort of form of race preference, and the Washington Post had this hilarious thing where they dance around it for twenty paragraphs, and then they back themselves in a corner and they say, "Many investors saw it, saw Watson as a sympathetic, uh, you know, diversity play," and then at parentheses, Watson is black, 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 capitalized. It's it's absurd. Well, wait, wait, how would you do it? You have to mention his race once you say. I would that, mention right? it sort of higher up and. And not like in a parentheses with a capital B. Well, yeah, but know, to it? mention it out of context seems weird. Like, why are you telling us this guy's? But race? it is the whole context. It's half the story. The point is, the the point is that um, you have a guy like I mean, it, it's it's what I didn't realize is there's this theory that of the mismatch theory, which is prevalent on the right. It seems to have some validity, which is people that would ordinarily get in black and ethnic minorities who would already get into Riverside. Completely on their merits, uh, race preferences come in and promote them to Berkeley, which is a tougher school where there's a mismatch between their skills, and so they would thrive in Riverside, and they flail in Berkeley, and that's actually a problem for them. But they would do much better if they went to Riverside. I first heard this. Th- I, I first heard this and, theory from Fred Barnes in 1989 or so. But go okay, ahead. well now it's it's been. There's a guy named I think Sanders at UCLA who's got all sorts of data and seems to seems to. So to prove it, and mm-hmm. what I didn't realize is that the mismatch theory is the Peter principle. In other words, ethnic minorities are especially promoted to their level of incompetence in a way that whites are not. So Carlos Although Watson whites is an ex- are uh, to some extent, according to the Peter principle, poll, this, right? But this tends but to the, happen to but everybody. The, the, but the, the the mismatch theory is the Peter principle on steroids, especially for minorities. So you have a guy like Carlos Watson who's really smart. I mean. And my friend Ann Coulter pointed a tweet saying she went on her show 
He was terrific. It was a terrific show. It sounded like a terrific show. It was called The Third Rail on PBS. It had like people yelling and screaming at each other in an entertaining fashion uh, about politics. Uh, he, and, and what I saw of him in New Hampshire in 2004 was every question that he was asked, he had an interesting answer to it. Not the conventional wisdom answer, but something you didn't know before, and it was an interesting twist, okay? okay. You never see that with anybody. Okay. So he's he's completely capable of being a superstar, and the system had to promote him to being more than a superstar into, like, the next Ted Turner or the next Mark Zuckerberg, which he obviously failed he, at. He, because, he should have been famous for talking on CNN, in other words. And, yeah, so it promoted to his level of incompetence. That's my theory of Carlos Watson. But I have uh, five or six points in addition to that. Oh, boy. Uh... My mouth is watering. The the um, <laughs> uh, the Peter Principle on steroids is kind of an interesting. That that's an interesting way of framing it. I, I I give you. I mean, leaving aside what I think of the argument, that's a good. Uh, you should write. That Thank you. As, a as, rare compliment. You, you should write that, as we used to say. Um, now, okay. So we'll we will talk about. So here's some things for the parrot room at Patreon.com/slash/parrotroom. Um, I want to get uh more car advice from you. Need need to uh. I think I need to buy a car. This this one looks like it's on its last legs. I want to ask. Um, I I do want to do Aussie and Theranos. I want okay. to. Um, I want to ask. I want to talk a little about the Iron Dome vote. Uh, not just the AOC vote, but the Rand Paul, the Rand Paul vote against Iron Dome. I I think is one I want to get your take on. Um, the. Uh, there's other things I have, but let me find them. What else do you want to... Oh, oh, you Man. know what? You know what? You told a joke last week, a ribald. Is that the word? Was did, it a ribald? Did I make it clear that I stole that joke? It wasn't my joke. I stole it from Grant. I think <laughs> all I jokes are stolen. No one ever makes them up. I, I don't know where they come from originally. No, there are people I, who make them up. Bob, they're, they're, they're in the Hollywood Hills over there, and they make $100,000 a year. Okay, that's where they all come from. Even more than that. But I don't think I've ever met someone who told me a joke they had actually made up. <laughs> it's always a joke you've heard. You don't have to, you don't have to footnote them, okay? I, I admire No, there, but you conscience. do in this town, Bob. Oh, that's true. Um, I can see. I can see that. No, Nobody in where I live would imagine that you thought up your own joke. Anyway, what I'm wondering is, so it was a, uh, what are the words, racy, ribald, uh, involved in it involved a sex a organ. Job. It involved a blowjob. Uh, That's it was, all you have to say. It was good. It was a good, <laughs> I mean, it was a good joke, not a, you know, it was okay. a good joke. But um, should I roll out my, my John Wayne Bobbitt? Was that his name? You should, but it, I, I can tell right now it's not going to be as good as mine. It may not be. I, I agree. Yours, the more I thought about it, was good. And I want to talk about a little more about why yours was so good. Okay. It was really um, it was really an excellent blowjob joke, Mickey. Congratulations. It was told to me by an excellent comedian. That, give that um, guy a raise, whoever it was. Uh, he, you know, John Wayne Bobbitt, for people who, uh, who don't know, uh, who are too young, well, let's just say uh, it was a win-win outcome. His wife got to cut off his penis, and he got to become a porn star with a reattached penis. But that that uh, I I'll fill in the background more. And I think I'm going to tell the joke. What the hell, right? Let's go crazy. And um, uh, that sounds good. Um. Uh, so I, I 
I, I have, uh, while you're establishing your hipness, I will establish my unhipness and say there is a web meme that I have the faintest fucking idea what it means. And maybe our readers can help me out. Our viewers can help me out. Or you can help me out, but I don't think you'll know what it is. I doubt I'm cool enough. But speaking of that, one thing we failed to talk about was the Facebook uh, crisis. Uh, Facebook's worst week ever. Maybe we'll talk a little about that. I have um, so little to say about Facebook. I just have a little to say about Facebook. Yep. But anyway, web meme. Um, um, the um, I have a name for what this this podcast should be called. The one we're we're on now. Yeah, this incredibly branded one, which is badly branded one which is like hey it's buried somewhere in the right show and if you search for mickey cows you can find it you got one. a name nominee yes oh i had a near-death experience i want to talk about that almost got killed by a car um uh uh i wanted to well and oh i had a dream about more Kondraki that i need to share with you do you ever dream about more, <laughs> Mickey? Do you ever? Does dream? it involve a blowjob? <laughs> no. Uh, do you ever dream about more? No, I did have. I've been thinking a lot about Fred Barnes lately. Well, that's just because I just mentioned him, maybe. No, it's because there's there's uh, at the New Republic. You would ask Fred what, what, how did it, how, how was his column this week, and he'll he would go, it's done. <laughs> like, it has the quality of doneness, is the way he. It would has put the it. quality of doneness, which came to be known as the Barnes quality. Yeah. So I've done a lot of things that have the quality of doneness. That's about all they have. Um, uh, uh, there are a bunch of other things we could talk about. Well, that's a lot right there. It's going to be a hell of a parrot a, room, folks. There's a new Parkinson's cure every week, but bring this them latest on. One sa- this latest one sounded especially promising. Good. All to the good. Um, um, so hold on. And oh. we can talk about Kagan. You can talk about Kagan for hours and hours. Uh, we could. We right? could talk about Kagan. Yes, we could. Um, so. If you're not talking about Kagan all the time, Bob, you're contributing to the rise of fascism in America. Um, that's right. I've long said that. Um, every, every minute you spend telling a blowjob joke, is a minute you could be spending denouncing creeping authoritarianism. That is true. Uh, so, here's what I would say. Patreon.com slash Parrot Room if you want to contribute uh, to... What is it we do? To, I guess, to uh, blowjob jokes? What is it? What is the... No, it, it's... Uh, no, we, we let's aim higher. What, we, uh, it's a journalism- frothy, high-low mix of... Bad jokes and bad science. No, but I mean the ideals represented by our whole enterprise, which is, you know, fearless, frank, honest commentary on current events without fear of getting fired by MSM for violating some speech code or something. The freedom to tell blowjob jokes. I think that's it in a word. Um, so The night is young, Bob, but so far we haven't been fired. No. Uh, the... Um, Finally, want to say uh, goodbye and thank you to Colleen Smith, who until last week produced our um, our episodes faithfully every week, and uh, she has found uh, you know greener pastures as people tend to do eventually. She was great. She was great. She was my second closest friend that I never even met her in 
Send her an email once a week. You send her a lot of links. <laughs> you sent her a lot of links. Um, and she that, had only may, the highest regard for your links. She once told me that. I think. The guy at the 7-Eleven may be actually my second closest friend. She was my third closest friend. Yeah, she'll take that. She's, you know, she's not picky. It's an embarrassment of riches out here. Yeah, so thank you, Colleen. Uh, she's moving to NOLA. Or she's moved to NOLA. You know what that means? I do know what that means. It means New Orleans. Okay. Everybody knows what that means. Yeah. Also, smash the like button. Right? Um, right. And um, call your representative and tell them you don't want the refundable child tax credit. Uh, that I don't endorse. Oh, look, there's only two cups now. One of them fell on the ground. Okay. We're making progress here. I'll take door number three. We're down to two programs. Okay. So we will... Uh, oh, there's money under one of them. I didn't know that. Okay. That's the... Yeah, that's the gimmick. Okay. You can only fund one of them. I got it. And there's and that was... Uh, the money I saw when you lifted up that cup was actually $2.1 trillion. Well, you know, they are minting the trillion dollar coin, maybe. Oh, yeah. That's, that's one way out of this. How how big is the two trillion dollar coin? It doesn't have to be big, right? I'll, you know, it uh, could just be a fits in your pocket. Have they even designed it? I, I don't know. I'm a little, I'm a little uh, behind the, uh, behind the whatever. Uh, you know the fa the fastest, the best way to the best way to just to get diamonds across New York is the safest way is to give them to one of the Jewish diamond merchants, and he puts it in his pocket and walks across New York. Uh, they shouldn't let I think that they should secret do that. get out. They should do that with a trillion dollar coin just for fun. Yeah. Okay. Hey, they got to get to the Federal Reserve. Hey, over hey, here. You look trustworthy. <laughs> um, okay. So it's on to the parrot room. Okay. See you there. See you there.